It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yo, one, two, one, two. Check. What's going on, everybody? This is Mega Ran, and I'm back. Sorry that I left you without a podcast. Step two. It's Matt Mania, the show where I talk about wrestling. Um, I have been traveling like crazy right now, so I have not been able to get episodes out. But since I have a day off in a nice hotel with some decent Wi-Fi, decided I would get it done. And not just by myself, I got a special guest with me. The true player for real, the uh, connoisseur of lit hop, my good friend MC Lars is here. Oh, I just want to say what's up to everyone listening to Matt Mania, and uh, I got the t-shirt, I wear it proudly, it's purple and yellow. Thanks, man. Uh, so, right now we're on tour, we're uh, almost, are we halfway through? Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, how do you feel about the tour, man? I think it's been not as hard as I thought it was going to be. Um, it's been really great having fans come out, and it's really nice hanging out with Mega Rand, and I'm learning a lot about wrestling, but... You know, I know I don't know as much as probably the audience is listening, but I respect the art form, so just wanted to say it. It's pretty cool, man. I think that wrestling, like ballet or dance or any type of fine arts, you know, you can pull something out of it that you can enjoy and respect. And I think that's how I fell back into wrestling is just seeing the guys work so hard and seeing all the similarities between music and wrestling. I was playing, um, I was talking to somebody about pay to play we were talking about that i think i told you this in the car and i just happened to be talking about pay to play and this wrestler aj was there and he's like are you sure you're not talking about a wrestling promoter he's a southern guy so i was like wow you mean even even wrestling guys get paid depending on like the butts they bring in like this to the seats and i thought that was crazy so what are your opinions on pay to play well it's kind of funny because ultimately you know the music industry doesn't exist unless people are buying tickets and uh, supporting the music and I imagine wrestling is similar but with wrestling you have the giant companies that kind of fuel everything but it's the it's the people the icons it seems like the personalities that keep it going so there are a lot of similarities with the music industry and it seems like there's also now with the indie wrestlers you were telling me about they're starting to cross over so people who start on their own and then they have a social media buzz and WWE E will be like, oh, cool. This person has this person might be an interesting, and then they help put them on or something like that. And also, some of the terminology I've been learning about um, what's it called when you it's called when you let someone get over. Is that a person ah, term? Get over. Yes, that's a term. <laughs> um, so, like guys like Hulk Hogan have been getting over, for example, for I mean, winning. You know, so you're on top for probably my entire childhood. You know, Hulk Hogan won for 10, 15 years in a row. So. When it came time for him to actually have to pass off, pass a torch to a smaller, younger wrestler, there was some problems, you know? And I think that's probably, do you think that's the same in, like, music? Yeah, and I think in hip-hop, especially because it's so competitive and it's like, you know, you'll have a, a rapper who's the head of a label, like, oh, for example, Birdman helping put Lil Wayne over, and then when Lil Wayne maybe got over with that, with his hit songs, and then he came back with the, um, with the Lifestyle song with Rich Homie Quan. He kind of got over Little Wayne by keeping his brand new and fresh, and I might not be using the term correctly, but mm. but it's all about passing the torch in hip hop and producers, especially such as Dre with Kendrick Lamar. Um, if you work with young talent, that's how you stay relevant. Oh, Kanye is another great example mm-hmm. of that. But I don't imagine Kanye ever he like him turning 50 and giving someone a mic and being like, "All right, your turn." Um, but KRS-One, he always was good about bringing young people on and helping mm-hmm. the new generation. So, yeah, I would say there are some similarities with that. So. There are. I mean, do you feel like in hip-hop it's a lot more, I mean, even in wrestling, it's pretty cutthroat where the guys at the top want to stay there. You know, they don't want to give it up. And um, I think in hip-hop, 
a lot of guys don't retire. I don't think in music anyway, people don't retire. So I feel like at some point, the game kind of moves on without you as, as cold as it sounds. And I think in wrestling, it's your body, you know, and, mm. in, and in rap, it's your ability to rhyme well or whatever. But your body can only take so much in wrestling. So these guys, once they give way, then it's time to go to a part time schedule and then it's time to break down. But in, in music, do you feel like there is a similar similar vibe with that? I think with music, it's you get to a certain age. If you're not touring at a certain level, you might quit. You, it's hard to like Weird Al Yankovic. He's an exception. He's he's 57 now, but he's um, his touring stage show is so incredible, and he has so many people helping him make it happen. That if he were doing it all himself, he'd probably quit. We're, yeah. We're not to say that I know if he would or not, but MC Chris, he's you know 42, and he's doing it all himself, and you got to give it up for that guy. But his stage show is is is. The show is watching him tell jokes and rap, and um, so you know, as long as Chris wants to do it, I feel like he'll have a career. I think wrestling, though, seems much more physically demanding. Oh, totally. You can't. Well, you can then go to what they call a safe style, but no one wants to see that. What's you know? that? So you don't. That's fall when over? you're. Yeah, you're not falling on your back too much, or you're not. You're not doing high flying stuff over the top rope. You're just keeping on the ground, and you, you work on technical abilities that look cool, but aren't sacrificing. You know, your 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 body. So can I ask you about a wrestler, um, this might be a controversial topic, but about a song I heard that I wanted to hear the backstory about? Okay, what's the song? Um, it's by ICP, it's called Chris Van Wall. Oh man, they did a song about that? Yeah, but it's about yeah. how he used to be their hero and stuff like that. And it's, so are we allowed to talk about it or is it inappropriate? Yeah, I mean, we can talk about it. It's been a long time. WWE doesn't talk about it at all. Like they've removed him from every piece of, uh, you know, records. But, um... Was he doing safe style before he but retired? No, no, that was the oh. thing. He was a very reckless dude, but he's a great technical wrestler, but his finishing move was a flying headbutt. So he would literally oh. jump off the top rope onto you with his head, bam, and he would do that every single match. And I think doing that, in addition to getting injuries, taking painkillers and all these other things to try to stay in tip-top condition, uh, you know, you wind up taking some sacrifices and doing some, maybe taking some shortcuts that you shouldn't, and... Um, and unfortunately, uh, the combination, and it's funny because they've said, like his doctors have said, like he had some low number of his brain capacity, like maybe 10 or 12%. And Vince McMahon is like, no way. There's no way he would remember to get on flights and come to do these shows for us if he had the mental capacity of a seven-year-old. And that's what they were trying to say. They were saying by all these impacts, he was... He was not himself. He was a kid in the brain. And they were like, that's not possible. And so Vince would fight for, for you know, his wrestlers and say, like, man, no, that's not true. Granted, it's a physically taxing thing. But uh, that made them crack down on the wellness policy because of his tragic story, you know. Uh, and I'm sure you heard about the results of it. And, yeah, like, he was a hero because he was a short guy. Like, yeah. he's like 5'8", he's 5'9", like and was able to get to the top. And long, for the longest time in wrestling, only the big guys were able to succeed. You were 6'5", 300 pounds, huge muscles. You could make it. But the little guys never got a chance. And he was the first little guy to really bust through to the mountaintop. And uh, so that's why I could see ICP and guys like that having a, you know, counting that guy as a hero. Because he was a hero. Uh, but, um, you know, he had a dark side. And um, that's the Benoit story. So he, so maybe it was like football. He had some head traumas that possibly, but yeah. that's before all those things were, were even you know studied. Um, people didn't think. They always thought your skull is protecting your brain. Like that's you're okay. Yeah. You know, like you got a built-in football helmet, but it's not the case. As I watched the concussion movie, I haven't talked about this on the show much, but uh, I watched the concussion movie, and I'm a big football fan. But man, it made me look at football totally different. And uh, just thinking about how he would use an egg as an example. And he'd be like, here's an egg in a, you know, in a shell. And he said, okay, look, this shell is protecting that yolk inside. Yes. But can I shake this egg up and still say that it's exactly in the same condition? No. That egg and that yolk inside probably broke. Mm. You know? So it's saying that if your brain is jostling around inside of this protective thing, it's still banging up against it. And that could really damage your brain. And, uh, yeah, you know, the whole egg and brain on drugs thing, I guess, it kind of kind of applies. Crazy part about that story, I don't know if you heard about the concussion movie. 
with the Will, Will Smith. Smith movie. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen it. Is that it was based on a real guy, the doctor, the the villain, quote unquote, in this story is a real person, and that real person works for the WWE now. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, or at least did at that time. And so that's pretty crazy to think. Like this is this is a real story about a real person who did real things. But this this guy, I think, got fired. He was like a kind of like a, not a fake doctor, but just a bad doctor who was just writing prescriptions for people. Oh, you need painkillers? Got you. You know. Oh, you need this? Got you. You want me to say that you're able to play? No problem. And he would do that for people. And unfortunately, those his patients, a lot of them died, and uh, or were depressed and wound up killing themselves or. You know, all kinds of things. But um, this just took a sad turn. So let's talk about something positive. Yeah, I was going to say that wrestling, I think it's kind of cool because it shows young kids that if you're strong and you work out and stuff, like you take care of yourself, that it's it's cool to be active and it's cool to be... Um, to be uh, to take care of your body and stuff like that, you know, it's like that's why they're heroes because they maybe talk about nutrition and stuff. Is that that's true? true. Yeah, that's a good point. I think um, the Rock has a story like that. He said he was down on his luck. He was broke. He got cut from the football team, and he didn't have anything. He has seven bucks in his pocket, so that's why he named his movie production studio Seven Bucks Productions, because he had seven dollars in his pocket in Miami, and he was about to get evicted, and his mother was with him, and he's like, you know what? I can't do anything else. I mean, I could. I, I'm going to the gym, and I'm going to make sure that somehow, this this body and and what I know about athleticism and things is gonna is gonna get us out of this predicament. And that's what he did. He worked out, and you know, and and opportunities presented themselves. You know, through wrestling and other stuff. And boom, he's the number one guy in Hollywood now. Oh, and uh, you know who else I thought was really funny was John Cena in the Amy Schumer movie. He's so funny with that. Uh, My wife was just telling me about that. Have you seen it? No, but Cena, she says he steals the scenes that he's in. He's awesome. He's really good in it. Uh, LeBron James is in it too, I think. Oh, yeah. Um, But yeah, I heard Cena did really great in that, so that's cool to know. All right, so you know a little bit about wrestling. I think that what I've been learning is that these these people are, the ones who make it are the ones who are personalities on and off the mat and the ones who can um who just want to know more about them because they've got other talents you know that's a good point you know um like rap kind of like rap yeah you know the guys who go into movies are guys who are have larger than life personalities the bust the rhymes the ludicrous you know the guys who just bust off the page or bust out of the speaker you know what i mean so to speak and so it's the same way in wrestling a lot of it has to do with Sometimes you have a look, you have an interesting look, or you got a great smile, or super great body. But um, but if you are interesting enough, a lot of times you can just break through, and uh, and that happened with a lot of guys. Daniel Bryan is another guy, short guy who's had an amazing look and awesome ability. Um, just made it really special, and he went out and made great things happen. And uh, he's back on TV now. He's a GM because he's uh, out of action. He had too many concussions, so he couldn't wrestle anymore. Um, and they asked him, like, oh, you could do a safe style. And he's like, nah, I don't want to do a safe style. Like, that's not me, you know. So if people see me and I'm not flying around, it's not going to be as interesting, you know. That would be like if they said, hey, Large, you can't bust super dope raps anymore. You have to keep it super, super, super basic. And slow. Like, super slow, cat in the hat, chopped and screwed <laughs> is the only way that you can make music now. And you'd be like, oh, man, I don't want to do this anymore. So he he's on TV as, a, like, one of the managers? He's like a GM guy, oh. so he, he makes the matches and things like that. And he does a reality show, too. Did you ever hear about this? Um, I see people at this home video called Strangle Mania, where they took this Japanese in hardcore wrestling and then narrated it as the GMs. Wow. And it's and it's a really rare VHS Strangle Mania. Do you have it? No, I've been looking for it. You watched it though or? I watched part of it on YouTube. <laughs> but the, the thing is they do the commentary but they're not really there. It's like Mystery Science Theater. They pretend theater. like they're doing okay. That's uh I've seen that happen. We went to the Basketball Hall of Fame and they show like great moments in basketball and then maybe we could stop by there at some point. But I don't know. Um, and they show great moments and they, they put you on the microphone and the headset and you get to narrate it and commentate it. <laughs> That's awesome. like, Michael Jordan with the dunk! Ah, oh, they win! Bulls win! Bulls win! <sighs> you know, things like that. Um, they do that with wrestling too. At, during WrestleMania, they have fan access moments where you can get on the headset and commentate the match, you know. So that's pretty cool. I gotta find that Strangle Mania. So if anybody out there is familiar with Strangle Mania and can get us a copy, I would love that. 
So, what's going on with you musically, man? Well, I just put out, um, well, I've been putting out songs on Patreon, and uh, I put out a, some new songs with uh, Mega Ran, with you, Mega Ran, this for this tour, mm-hmm. just exclusively. Mm-hmm. And a book that I really enjoyed reading this year, it's called Console Wars mm. by Blake Harris. Uh, Seth Rogen's producing the film, and mm-hmm. it's the Sega versus Nintendo uh, uh, marketing stress beef. And I started reading, I was on vacation in um, Turks and Caicos, which is in the Bahamas, and I had a lot of time, and I just started reading this book, and it was awesome. It's a great book, and it's a great story. I mean, uh, we were talking about it in the car, and I was like, man, I live this. Like, I remember buying the magazines, getting the Nintendo magazines, getting the Game Pros, getting the EGMs, and all the different advertisements we saw on TV and in magazines and the news about Game Genies and ratings board stuff and the new systems and stuff. Like, it was now, I mean, these these companies are making way more money now than they ever did back then because there's more consumers. But I feel like there was just such a passion that has been unmatched, you know? I feel like because of the money, you know, and things like that, you had to pick one system. Were you were you a Nintendo or Sega household? I was Sega for a long time, but, but I was fortunate that um, years later I got a Super Nintendo. Nice. But I was Sega for years. How about you? Well, I was Sega as well. Sega came out first. Sega Genesis came out before Super Nintendo. So that was like the step up from the regular Nintendo. So of course I had the NES. But then one summer, probably or Christmas, maybe 89, uh, we get this the, the Sonic the Hedgehog Sega Genesis. And then a couple years later, I moved to South Carolina and I traded my Nintendo and all my games for a Super Nintendo. So somehow I had a Super Nintendo and a Genesis, but I traded like every one of my games to get it. And uh, Were you glad with that trade or not? Oh yeah, well I didn't have any games though, so that sucked. I had one game, he gave me Super Mario World, which was an amazing game, so I was okay with that. And uh, my mom made me play a game until I beat it. I couldn't get a new game until I beat it. So Oh, that's good. Well, not for Mario World, because that game had like 100 levels on it, oh, and yeah, it yeah. was super hard. So, very hard to get new games, so I would trade or, or rent games. And that was the only way I could get new games. And then um, I played Final Fantasy 3 on there, and that was my first role-playing game experience. And um, really great, man. And that, that's what got me kind of into role-playing games. What's and, the, uh, um, was it called a Moogle or something like that? The, the Moogle? Oh, yeah, the Moogles are the little things in Final Fantasy. So... Yeah. Um, did the Moogle come? Is that a reference to some Tolkien thing or like some Hobbit thing? Maybe. What what's the what's the reference in, in Tolkien? Well, I was just thinking like like Final Fantasy types it ta- taps into a lot of Jungian archetypes and stuff like that. Definitely. And I was thinking about other science fiction fantasy authors I could think of. So I don't know. I was thinking about that this morning. And I meant to ask you about it. So there's Moogles in the in the Hobbit world. Sorry, I didn't read the Hobbit, but there's, there's like Moogles the little, in that the little no. It reminded me of a cute little Hobbit. Oh yeah, like he's a so, sweet okay. helping character, right? Oh yeah, yeah. So they help you out a lot, and they make little noises, cuckoo or cookie or whatever. I know it's kind of a random question, but it's very random. But that's okay. That's what this show's all about. Anyway, these people probably listen expecting some wrestling talk, and with that, it is coming up. I actually talked to my good friend Steve of the Fans Podcast. He is going to talk to me about Brawl, about Hell in the Cell coming up in Boston. And I'm actually going to be there. I'm excited. That's my next day off. And I will be flying into Boston to see the show, hang out with some buddies. So uh, if you're going to be out there, you know, holler at me. Um, plenty of, plenty of, plenty of tour dates happening. Lars, where can they get the tour dates? You go to nerdcoretour.com. Yeah. We'll be all over the U.S., U.K., and then we're going to Australia January, February, back in the U.S. in March. So plenty of uh, dates coming up. And I just want to thank Meg Rand for having me on, on Matt Mania and... Also, I want to say, if you guys haven't heard it, the stuff he's been playing from the Matt Mania mixtape is great. Like, it's going really well at the show. So check out that release. It's cool. Aw, thank you, man. All right, so we talked about Console Wars. Should we give him the song? Oh, yeah. Let's do it. Okay, can you lead it in? This is Console Wars. This is a Matt Mania exclusive. MC Lars and Mega Rand. Also featuring Ash Wednesday singing on the harmony on the chorus. Ooh. No one has this except for people who have been coming out to tour shows and buying our exclusive tour mixtape. So, get your tape decks ready, as my old favorite DJ used to say. Alright, but nobody has tape decks anymore, so just listen carefully. Alright y'all, it's Matt Mania. I'm going to play that song and then we're going to get into some Raw and Hell in a Cell talk. And uh, I'll be back in a sec. Peace!
Sega vs. Nintendo, David vs. Goliath, Sonic vs. Mario, a challenge of arises. Marketing and strategy, the tortoise and the hare. Defined a generation, here's the story, we were there. In 1983, E.T. the game, a catastrophic failure in the shame. But the start of an insane war, Atari and television Coleco. But too many choices just divided the people. Shigeru Miyamoto knew it couldn't be the end, so he built a game called Donkey Kong, which helped to launch Nintendo. Through guerrilla marketing, he shook the planet from its slumber. When he introduced a soon-to-be iconic Brooklyn plumber. And an entertainment company from Hawaii would enter. Built on slot machines, but became a game contender. They started off slowly, but what helped them get across was a sleek black system and a speedy edge. It was Sega vs. Nintendo. David vs. Goliath. Sonic vs. Mario. A challenge of arises. Defined a generation like no system had before. A battleground in every store. Choose your side. Console it wars. Sega vs. Nintendo. David vs. Goliath. Sonic vs. Mario. A challenge of arises. Defined a generation like no system had before. A battleground in every store. Choose your side. Console wars. Nintendo used relationships with Walmart and with Target. Yeah. Keeping Sonic off the shelves. They monopolized the market. With a 95% share. That's ridiculous. So Sega got meticulous with marketing conspicuous. Yeah, they hired a top dog formerly of Mattel. Turned the game around and new strategies would prevail. Toys were just fast, but games were big businesses. Sega went hard with the relaunch of the Genesis. While Manura Arakawa wanted straight control of every game and console that Nintendo sold. When the game Genie dropped, they sued Galoo. In the players with their stuck-up attitude. I heard the Genesis claim to do what Nintendo don't. They skipped the kids and marketed to the young adults with major licenses like Spider-Man and Michael Jackson and Game Genie Action. The war was on again. It was Sega vs. Nintendo. David vs. Goliath. Sonic vs. Mario. A challenge of arises. Define a generation like no system had before. A battleground in every store. Choose your side. Console wars. It was Sega vs. Nintendo. David vs. Goliath. Sonic vs. Mario. A challenge of arises. Define a generation. Like no system had before A battleground in every store Choose your side, console wars In 1992, the evidence was there Sega's lead was gaining with an increased market share So Nintendo leveled up with that Super FX chip no. The 3D looked amazing and Star Fox was a hit They hit them off with portables, Sega's next strategy Game Gear was tight, but it burned through some batteries Blood and Mortal Kombat, Shower Scene and Night Trap Congress built the ratings war cause parents didn't like that But then Donkey Kong Country and Mario Kart Brought Nintendo to the finish line and showed a lot of heart With timeless characters that we all still adore From Pikachu to Mega Man to Wario and more and Sega the 32X, the Sega CD, to Dreamcast, but it was not the same. Sega was out the game. We had some good times. The past was a blast, though, and later Sonic even made a cameo with Smash Bros. It was Sega vs. Nintendo. David vs. Goliath. Sonic vs. Mario. A challenge of arises. Define a generation like no system had before. A battleground in every store. Choose your side. Console wars. It was Sega vs. Nintendo. David vs. Goliath. Sonic vs. Mario. A challenge of arises. Define a generation like no system had before. A battleground in every store, choose your side, console wars. Hey everybody, what's going on? This is Mega Ran and it is Matt Mania. Thank you all for tuning in for another high impact episode. It is October 24th. I just got finished watching Raw. First time I've actually watched a live Raw in a long time. Usually I catch it the next day on Hulu. I'm traveling. But right now I am stationary in a hotel in Burlington, Vermont. And I just watched Raw. Last Raw before Hell in the Cell. And I got a special guest. My man Steven of the Fans Podcast is here. Steven, you there? What's happening, ladies and gentlemen? It is I, Steve the Fan, here as a special guest. You are in a hotel while I am in a car driving down the highway on the way to Smackdown Hotel, Nolly Road Boulevard. You know, you know how to get there, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Jabroni Drive and all that. Yeah. Room 316, burnt to the ground if you're an old school wrestling fan. But uh, I'm so, it's awesome to be here, and I'm glad you actually were awake to watch three and a half hours of Monday Night Raw. Wow, three and a half hours. I really usually prefer the 90-minute Hulu version, but I felt like before a pay-per-view, I needed to see everything so I could fully be ready. And I did watch three and a half hours of wrestling. And, um, wow. So 
Anyway, let's get started, Steve. What is your earliest wrestling memory? Like, oh, how long wow. you been in this thing? All right. Well, uh, I'm gonna age myself. I went to. The, I'm from Boston, so my mm. first ever live event. I went to the Boston Garden in 1992. That's right. And the main event was a steel cage match, blue steel cage, the classic. Mm. It was Macho Man Randy Savage scheduled to fight Jake the Snake Roberts, but Jake Roberts was fired or actually quit around WrestleMania 8, so I got to see my favorite wrestler of all time, Shawn Michaels, when mm. he was barely anything against Macho Man in a steel cage. That's my first uh, live event, but my first real memory of wrestling was just grabbing the remote and going through the channels and stumbling upon the big boss man and something about his character and the way he spoke really spoke to me as a kid like police officer beating up people it just somehow stuck in my brain and i've been watching wrestling for i want to say 25 years now word 25 okay have you been like kind of like me i think i started around the same time but i've been in and out and in and out, I think for the past maybe five years, I've been pretty strongly in through better or worse. Or have you been consistently all the way in all this time? I, I never broke up with wrestling once. Wow. I wanted I wanted to around 2002 when SmackDown and Raw had their own separate brands. The first WWE draft, that is. And I couldn't care less about those brands. I was like a junior in high school, so... I was thinking about the future. I wasn't thinking about Triple H burying people or the NWO with X-Pac on Raw. Those were terrible times. So, no, <laughs> I never stopped watching wrestling. Even when they had guest GMs for two years straight, Oof. I still watch Bob Barker, Tomahawk Chop, Chavo Guerrero. <laughs> what a time. What a time. Oh, God. What oh. a time. Well, we're in new times now. We're in, I guess, the, in the midst of the second brand split, if I'm correct. I mean, you've watched longer and more consistently than I have, but I believe this is the second brand split of WWE's history. And here we are, right before Hell in a Cell. We now have the Go Home episode was tonight, and three and a half hours. So where do we start? I just want to quickly ask you... What you feel about Raw? What do you feel about SmackDown? Is one ahead of the other right now? Do you wish this brand split never happened? Like, how you feel? All right, well, I will be attending Hell in a Cell Live, so I'm pretty pumped up about going to that event. Uh, uh, the whole triple, triple, triple main event stuff is pretty big bullshit, if I want to be honest <laughs> with you. I really think that Raw is too long, like anybody else who's a fan. If, for example, if I went up to you and said, hey, this is an amazing show on TV, but it's three hours long, people would look at you with three heads and go, ah, yeah, I'm not watching that. I can barely make it through an hour of The Walking Dead, and you think I'm going to watch three hours <laughs> of a show? So I enjoy it, but SmackDown is more consistent. It is better paced out. Everyone matters because you only have two hours, so you don't have random squash matches filling in the gaps raw i feel like two hours of it is filling in the gaps yeah a lot of it is filler and um i appreciate them giving guys tv time and i think maybe that's what a lot of it's about of course the you know ad money that that comes in with a longer show but it's it's just too much wrestling and going to a pay-per-view i'm actually going to be at hell in a cell as well so i'll see you Woo! there it's gonna be a party now but that's also three plus hours of wrestling, you know, and I think it's it's mu it's much better when you're there. But still, you'll notice the crowd just completely get out of it at certain times, and I think that's the the result when you give them a little too much of a good thing. And uh, I honestly think the brand split has kind of exposed that, and it shows that maybe we're getting a little too much of the thing we love right now. I can I agree and disagree. I agree with yeah, we might be getting too much, but at the same time, we're in a building process. Like when you build a building, it doesn't take, you know, six weeks. It takes years to build skyscrapers. Mm. So with Raw and SmackDown, same process. Like on Raw we got to see uh, Curtis Axel finally come out and out of his shadow. The guy's been doing nothing for years. Yeah, he's getting a paycheck, but 
I doubt he's being fulfilled creatively. So yeah. finally on Raw, we got to see him and Bo Dallas go at it a little bit. And to me, that was an important moment for both wrestlers because Bo Dallas is going through random squash matches. Curtis Axel has been doing shit. So having them have a segment actually makes me ha- have hope for both of them. But re- go back a few weeks with Titus O'Neil and Darren Young, the same exact thing where, oh, we have nothing for you, so you're going to fight each other. And then when we don't have anything else for you, you'll be doing nothing. Like What happened to Darren Young? Where's Bob Backlund? Yeah, like they just abandoned that. Uh, I don't know. But anyway, we got a lot of TV to talk about, so I want to jump into that. I got so many questions. But you watched all of Raw as well, I'm guessing? Of course. Yes. All right, cool. So this is the go-home episode, so this is really all that matters is driving us towards either getting a subscription to get Hell in a Cell, going to the show, or something. But this is the, this the event. That's supposed to make us want to watch Hell in a Cell. So here we go. Um, I got some breakdowns of good, bad, and ugly things that I remember from the show. Rather All than right. us recapping everything. So I want to talk about some things that I liked and uh, have you jump in as well. I'll pick one good and then you can give me another good you liked. I'll pick one bad. You give me another bad. And then Perfect. I have like four uglies but i'll but i'll, but I'll keep don't, them brief yeah i was gonna say don't steal them all i gotta i gotta throw some uglies in there too right right okay so good i thought we we just brought it up curtis axel bo dallas i thought that was awesome giving both these guys a chance so i won't go into that but my favorite good of this episode was mick foley's emotion during the contract signing of the first ever women's hell in a cell match i thought that was awesome foley sold it he got real in there and i thought it was amazing i love when they kind of blur the line a little bit he talked about real things real feelings granted none of these guys are probably falling through the top of the cage or jumping off the top and going to do the crazy things that he did in these Hell in a Cell matches. But I'm sure it brought back a lot of real feelings for Mick. So uh, he did a great job of selling it. So uh, that's my first good point of Raw tonight. I think uh, my good point would be uh, Kevin Swan beating the number one contender for the Cruiserweight Championship, Brian Kendrick. Usually I hate when contenders or I hate when champions lose non-title matches. I'm, I'm a big... Ugh, against that, but I am all on board with Rich Swan. So mm-hmm. this guy could beat anybody, and I'd be happy. I don't care. He can do anything. He can't do anything wrong right now. Like the Jericho Owens dynamic is what's keeping me on Raw, but then Rich Swan and his um, his charisma is winning me over every single week. So uh, my good is going to have to be Rich Swan beating Brian Kendrick. Wow, I agree. I got him up there. I got Rich Swan as one of my goods as well. So I'm glad glad you called that. Um, really big fan of what he's doing in the ring. And him taking that win was cool and kind of unexpected. I love it. All right, bad. Me personally, I am just not a fan of giving away a bunch of matches right before the pay-per-view when the same exact match is going to happen. I was really disappointed with that, with them doing that with the tag team and several other matches throughout the card. I just never want to see the same thing more than once. And especially when you're leading into a pay-per-view. Granted, it's not pay-per-view like it used to be where we're paying 40, 50 bucks for it. But this is a big event, and I don't feel like there's any need to lead into it with giving us the same match for free. I don't know. Any thoughts on I, that? I agree with you what you're saying, but you know what's kind of happened is a lot of the old ways, like the, the idea of, oh, a go-home pay-per-view, Raw, or a SmackDown should be amazing, and then the ones after the pay-per-view should be amazing, and that's how it once was. Like, when mm-hmm. Raw used to go past 11 o'clock, it was because of WCW Nitro, the rival company. They were trying to beat them out for ratings. Like, But these old ways, these old rules have come somehow, like, grandfathered into the new era. And yet, me or you and a lot of fans are going, why are you staying past 11? Why are you making us watch matches that you're going to give us on pay-per-view? It's because just the old rules have changed, but at the same time, 
randomly they pull them out, randomly they don't. It's very confusing when you're trying to watch wrestling when the rules one day are one way and the next day are another. It is, and um, I think maybe that's... I feel like the new era is still trying to get its identity. Every week that I do this podcast, I ask my guests, what is the new era? And we kind of give a different answer every time. It's like, oh, it's kind of an indie-centric thing. It's kind of a tweener time. It's a time where technical wrestlers are praised more so than big, strong guys. But I feel like it's it's a combination of so many things of old and uh, some new some new thoughts as well and some new strategies, I guess. I don't know. I feel like maybe they haven't quite figured out what the new era is yet. Right. I Because at the same time, they're like, oh, it's not about commissioners. It's not about GMs. Stephanie McMahon is the biggest spotlight hogger there is. <laughs> um, you brought up Mick Foley, and you're, and you're good. Um, same thing. Guy stealing spotlight from Sasha and Charlotte. Yeah, he's promoting Hell in a Cell, but same thing. Like, what are you doing out there? You don't need to yeah. be there as a moderator. Cole could have done what you've done. Yeah. Um, same thing on SmackDown, where, like, The Miz and Daniel Bryan had a storyline going, even though Daniel Bryan can't wrestle. Yeah. Like, those are some random moments. In Goldberg and Brock Lesnar, perfect example. It's the new era. It's about new stars. Well, then why the hell are you bringing back old people? <laughs> Well, uh, yeah, I still feel like it's it's so confusing. They'll say it something and then completely go away from it a week later. Right, and that's probably why a lot of wrestling fans want continuity. Or, like, I, w- I really want to know what's canon and what's not canon in the wrestling world, where it's, <laughs> like, Edge and Christian used to be brothers, and then they were best friends somehow. Undertaker, <laughs> Undertaker and Kane are brothers. Maybe one day they won't be brothers. Maybe they'll be cousins. Maybe they'll be best friends. <laughs> You know, I don't, I don't know because they don't tell us. There but, are like, some oh. continuity rules and breaking of things that tend to happen. I think because we don't get season breaks in wrestling, we don't exactly know what should carry over and what shouldn't. You know, I feel like maybe yeah. if they took a week or two and said season so and so, you know, and they just began a new season. Then we could we could reset some of the some of the storylines, some of the things that are canon and not canon. I agree with that. Like I, when, when Raw and SmackDown went separate, I thought the most the best idea would have been all right. You give Raw twelve weeks, okay? You give it twelve episodes, mm-hmm. like like any show that you see on TV lately, Walking Dead, Game of Thrones, whatever. They get about twelve or thirteen episodes. You give Raw that time. So when SmackDown is off, your writers are coming up with the best storylines possible. Mm-hmm. So when Raw has a cliffhanger for its season finale, you have SmackDown kick back in, and then Raw goes away for 12 weeks, and you do the same thing back and forth. The problem with that is, once you take one show off TV, whoever's investing in your company is going to look at it and go, wait a minute, why did you have two shows, and now you only have one? That looks bad on the stockholders. Yeah. And that's what happened to wrestling. Wrestling's not about entertaining anymore. It's about selling t-shirts. It's about promoting the next event. It's not about let's make this one the best one. No, it's about get let's get a let's get to WrestleMania so we can promote Raw the next night and then SmackDown. It, it, wrestling is a circus. That's yeah. all it is. Yeah. Speaking uh, of selling things, um, I want to talk about the ugly point. My first ugly point is Brock Lesnar. Uh, okay. I felt like the Brock Paul Heyman segment completely fell flat. This is something that they made me wait three hours for, and I was very disappointed. I don't understand this at all. I mean, maybe you can help me understand, but Paul Heyman comes out. He says he wants to address the situation. Brock Lesnar's there. He dares the fans to chant Goldberg, but they don't. They chant Suplex City. They chant Goldberg sucks. Um, Heyman gets mad threatens the fans don't chant for Goldberg the fans cheer louder for Brock he throws the mic down and leaves I'm I'm so confused now what it looks like from my point of view is that they booked this promo and wrote it based on what they thought the fans were going to do now these are all intelligent people who've been writing way longer than you or I of course and they know that Brock Lesnar is from Minnesota (laughs) <laughs> they they you, know yeah. this. You would you would think they know this. You um, would think so, right? So to assume that these fans are going to boo 
the hometown guy. I just off the rip, like for no reason. Brock could have got on the mic and said, you know, I always hated this town. And then boom, you'd get everything you needed. But he Correct. did not do that. So yep. I'm, I'm what the heck happened out. there? Please, yeah. please explain to me what happened. I, I was First off, I'm tapped out. The, the Paul Heyman thing is what you bring up is a good point is they expected a certain reaction because it's Paul Heyman and Vince McMahon and everybody's like, well, if the internet loves Paul Heyman, then they'll, they'll do whatever I say. But it's not true at all because <laughs> Paul Heyman and Brock Lesnar, if there was a category of like what's in and what's out, Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman is on the out. And I don't yeah. think they realize that. They think, oh, well, Paul Heyman can go out there with his golden tongue and, and get this storyline and this match over. It's not going to happen. Everything that was cool is no longer cool. In my brain, uh, the New Day are super over. But the problem is, it's like a wave. They're about to crash hard. Yeah. And yeah. they don't realize that. WWE and whoever's writing this shit has no clue. They're like, oh, well, they're still selling merchandise, so everything's doing well. No, it's not well because you're not realizing you got to change up the game because what's going to happen is when you go to break up the new day or go to change them up, it's going to be too late. Yeah. You already missed that opportunity to switch them up. And the same thing with Paul Heyman and Brock Lesnar. I don't want to watch Brock Lesnar German suplex someone 15 times. Guess what? Two years ago, I was on board. Even yeah. a year ago, I was still saying, this is awesome. Yeah. And now... It's like having your cake too many times. Mmm, this is a delicious cake. Well, if I eat this cake every single day, I'm going to get sick of it. Yep. I, for one, have said I could really do without Brock Lesnar right now. I think I didn't think I would ever say that because I was a guy a year ago, two years ago, three years ago. Like, yes, this is such an attraction. Exactly. Right now, too much, too much of a good thing. And, you know, fans will change their minds like the weather. And I feel like... Once these guys commit, the writers and stuff, they are riding these horses until they fall. And one day, <laughs> New good, Day. That's a, good, yeah, that's a good example. Yeah. And one day, New Day will come out and the reception will be lukewarm. And it will be too yep. late and no one will care. So they, I think they really got to switch something up. Personally, I think they're going to lose the tag titles at Hell in a Cell because it just kind of uh, makes it's, sense. I think it makes sense. Possible. What do you think? It, it, it makes sense, yeah, but go back to your point for one second, where when Seth Rollins turned on Roman Reigns and Dean Ambrose, the Shield were hot, but they could have been hotter, but they decided to flip the switch right before the Shield got stale, Yeah. and the New Day, same thing, like if Biggie Langston suddenly turned on both dudes, or, or whoever, or whatever's going to happen between these three, it would have a huge immediate impact, but the fact that they won't do that kind of... Um, Dude, they're selling. They're selling T-shirts. They're selling yep, T-shirts. They're selling T-shirts. That's my T-shirt rule. Anyone who's got a million T-shirts is usually going to keep winning. So, <laughs> I don't think New Day is going to lose the tag team titles. I think that they need to beat Demolition's 400 plus uh, title run they had in 1980 to 1990. Mm -hmm. I think it's time to change it up because that means they can promote the New Day. As long as they're under contract, if they're singles wrestlers, they can still promote them as they hold the record. Like they can't say uh -huh. CM Punk hold the you know held the longest record in the past ten years anymore because he doesn't work for them anymore. Right. It's a good point. Okay, I you know, now I agree. It's funny. I've been picking the new day to lose like the last five pay reviews, so it hasn't happened. <laughs> so at this point, with them being well, I think fifty days away from Demolition's record, they may as well. Hold on to him at this point. Yes, yes. And now, right. uh, if I can share my bad for a second. Okay. Um, uh, you, yours was Mick Foley being good. I'm actually going to say Mick Foley, to me, was bad tonight. Mm. I, I agree. What he was there to do, he was supposed to put over the Hell in the Cell. He's in the most famous Hell in the Cell there ever was. No one will top it. Him being thrown off. Him being thrown through it. Um, mm. Thumbtacks. His tongue trying to push through a hole in his mouth. Like, that will never be topped. Right. But what he did was he did something – I don't like to use the word, but he mansplained hmm. what is happening. Yep. Did he go up to Roman? Did he go up to Rusev or Rollins and Owens and warn them how dangerous the Hell in the Cell was? No. He only told the women hmm. how dangerous it is. I don't know if you guys can handle it. It's so barbaric. Hmm. And a lot of female 
fans who wrote to me on Twitter during Raw were upset with Mick Foley because what he did was he kind of stole the spotlight by yeah. putting he had a great but he had a great promo, an amazing promo. But he didn't do his job. What he did was he put himself over. He didn't put over Sasha and Charlotte. And anytime he went to talk, he'd be like, look at me. Look at me, my eyes. Ah. <laughs> he was just getting crazy. It's like, yeah. dude, dude, would you yell at Roman Reigns or Rusev like that? No. So you want the women to be treated like the men, but you're not. You're treating the women with kid gloves. I'm surprised the Hell in the Cell match between Sasha Banks and Charlotte doesn't have a fucking pink cage. <laughs> Let's hope it doesn't, please. Uh, and, and, you know, glittered, possibly. Maybe pillows around the <laughs> ring, you know? Pillows. Like, like I was, I enjoyed his promo. Like, I'll be honest, I enjoyed it. But at the same time, like, what came out of it was a negative reaction from a lot of fans. And people wrote to me saying, you know, my daughter, my little girl who's five years old or, or, or eight was watching this segment. And she was so excited because she's looking up to these women wrestlers and then Mick Foley mansplained everything to him and this little even this little five-year-old girl knows what he's wow. doing wow that's deep I think that if let me give you another side of that if Perfect. Yeah. I think if both of them were a little better on the mic they oh, probably totally. wouldn't have been able to handle that segment on their own so I think it could be a combination of spotlight stealing slash mansplaining but I think, to me, I don't necessarily want Sasha talking for five minutes about how she's ready for the most dangerous thing she's ever done. Oh, oh me neither. It'll it'll just be kind of stumbly. So I don't know. I don't know. I I'm I'm of two minds on that because I thought Foley's promo was great, but in general, I agree that the GMs are on TV way too much and in the ring way too much and doing way too much talking. Yes, I agree. So, uh, yeah, in, in all in all, I enjoyed McFoley. I, I love McFoley. Like, uh, he's probably my top five favorite wrestlers of all time for his entertaining quality, but mm. it's just at the same time, I can see where a lot of female fans are trying to get behind a women's uh, revolution or, or Divas revolution, however you want to put it. But when you send some guy out there to yell in their faces about how <laughs> They're not aware of how brutal it is, but then everyone's like, "Well, why didn't you tell this to Roman and Rusev? Like, what? What? Do, do they know it's barbaric? They, the women didn't know. I, uh. it, it was, it, it was a bit strange. It, it, again, the undertone of it all. I know what he was doing. He was trying to promote Hell in a Cell and and how crazy it's gonna be. What's well, never happened? It's never happened. There's never been two women in the Hell in a Cell. If correct. they don't, if they don't make a big deal out of it, no one understands that that's never happened. But imagine going to a movie with so much hype, with unbelievable hype, and then you get into it, and you watch the movie, and you're like, eh, that was okay. <laughs> like, if anything, I would have downplayed Sasha Banks versus Charlotte. So you don't have everyone after going, well, it was supposed to be the greatest thing ever, and it wasn't. Because uh. the, the hype machine got behind it so much that it'll never, ever live up <laughs> to what they promoted. I thought you were going to say, this is like going to a movie. Because I think about this when um, I saw, what was the Tarantino movie? Hateful Eight. In the beginning of it, now let imagine right before the movie starts, Quentin Tarantino's on the screen. And he says, what you're about to see is the most bloody, most dramatic, most amazing film ever. Oh, I don't wow. know if you're ready for this. Now... You instantly, like you said, you set people up for a letdown, you know? Like, of course. Like, this is not going to be the most anything, you know? So right. uh, maybe maybe Mick kind of did that with this match. It's like when people are like, oh, this is the funniest show ever. Well, I'm now, now I'm going to be going into it thinking it's the funniest show ever, and it's not going to be. Right. So quick question about this match before we move on. Will the women bleed? Do you think they will bleed? By accident. Um... Yes, I think I think Charlotte will pull a flare because she has one, yeah. and her hair will get it. The problem with that is, it's gonna be tough to say, yeah, it's gonna happen. Like it should happen to make this match the the first class level it deserves. But again, they're dealing with kitty gloves lately, where you know, oh, yeah, once you stop bleeding, I gotta put on my little rubber gloves and make it stop bleeding, so you ruin the momentum of the match. Like were they not watching Triple H ten years ago? pouring blood all over the ring 
Yeah, it's a lot harder now because it literally breaks the action up. So, I don't know. I, I've been talking to all my friends about it. No one can really give me a firm thing, but I, I feel like they have to, uh, whether by accident or It'll, I don't know. Yeah, it, it won't happen on purpose. It will be like, oh, Charlotte got thrown to the cage and she whacked her elbow. Now her elbow is just gushing blood. Like It's, it's not going to be one of those spots where she purposely cuts herself open. If it happens... It'll be like Brock Lesnar dropping elbows onto people's heads when you're like, oh, shit, man, that was the hard blade. Like, they're they're for the hard, the hard way. way. Yeah. <laughs> that will be interesting to see to see them go go for a hard way. But um, I'm so curious. Uh, all right. Now, ugly. Um, the ugly for me, and I guess it also could count as bad, but there were some minor things in the episode, so I'm going to pick my best one. Um, I think... The fact that they're still calling this a triple main event, oh god, just as ugly as to me the Mick Foley mansplaining situation, where it's yes. like this is a big deal, just call it the main event, give give the women the main event. The U.S. title is never going to be confused for a main event match ever. So ever. Why, why is it a triple main event exactly? Because Roman think... Reigns is in it, <laughs> you know. I... Like, I have nothing against Roman Reigns either, but that's really what it's about. Is it? I mean, are they still, at this point, pushing Roman as as a main eventer? Is that what's I, happening? Well, I think Roman Reigns versus Rusev has a better storyline than uh, Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins does. But yeah. um, but, but it's the world title. You know, well, I'm sorry, the universal championship. Universal title. <laughs> you gotta say it the right word. Um <laughs> I really think that it is about Roman Reigns, and, and again, it's nothing personally against him, but they're still secretly pushing him without us thinking we're noticing, but I do notice. Mm. Uh, I've had and, some friends say that, too. I think uh, I, I think of the previous episode I did, I had a guest tell me they thought that him after coming back from the suspension, they just kind of threw him right back into a title situation, and I think that was kind of telling that they're they're not done with this guy. Oh, no, there's no way they're done with Roman Reigns. They, they put too much money and effort into this guy, and they don't care. Like, like James Ellsworth was <laughs> is is been around for only, what, uh, since the draft happened, so, like, say, 12 weeks, 13 mm-hmm. weeks. He's been around randomly. He has more going for him, and the crowd loves him over Roman Reigns. Now, longevity, Roman Reigns probably will outnumber James Ellsworth just because of his size and the way he looks. And, yeah. and, and that's, you brought up a really good point earlier where – the new era isn't about we were saying off off we were recording uh, you know beforehand that Roman Reigns isn't this athletic wrestler that is like a Seth Rollins or a Sami Zayn. He he doesn't have the same qualities as some people because we want a new era of wrestling. Roman Reigns is stuck in this weird John Cena role where John Cena was putting like, like putting a triangle in a square peg. Like, it's not ever going to fit, but they're going to jam it in there. They're going to force it, and we're going to have to endure it. And I watched John Cena for 10, 12 years. Mm-hmm. I didn't like it, but I kept watching. I don't want to sit here for 10 more years and talk about how <laughs> I don't like Roman Reigns. Yeah. I think people are done with that. I mean, but I mean, we'll watch, though. I mean, you're, you've been a, a diehard for a very long time, so you're not going anywhere. You'll no, watch it, but you won't the- like it. No, I won't like it. And that's another <laughs> thing, too, is I've noticed a lot of diehards actually stop watching. Yeah, yeah, me too. I've had some friends that have stepped away. They're like, I'm done. And I think maybe it's been mostly because of the brand split and how bad Raw's been, to be honest, has, has really turned people off. Agreed. <sighs> but anyway, Agreed. let's move forward to our final piece of business, which is Hell in a Cell, which is happening yeah. this Sunday. We'll both be there. In Boston. All right, so these are the matches we got. I just want a quick first take on who you think's going over and why. Perfect. Let's start with the Cruiserweight title. TJ Perkins, Brian Kendrick. Brian Kendrick is going to pull the wool over Perkins' head and take home that championship because since TJ Perkins left the CWC and came over to Raw, this guy, they've tried a million things with him too, and he's pretty much just like a YouTube comment that's gone wrong, and so he's gonna 
So he's going to lose the title this Sunday. I feel like he will. Kendrick has so much more going for him as far as mystique and story. Um, so, yeah, I agree on that. Next, Tag Team Championship, New Day versus Cesaro and Sheamus. Well, I think we already called this one. You see New Day going over. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Only in WWE can you have a best of seven at the end of the tie. So I'm going to go with the New Day. <laughs> winning this one i'm so torn man but i again now that i thought about them being less than two months away from demolition's record it's kind of pointless to pull the plug now so i agree new day next roman reigns rusev helen is one of the first of three triple main event matches triple 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 uh, we don't even know what order these matches are going to go in, but I think we know that the women's match is going last. But they oh. will not say it, which has irked me. But anyway, me. it's really annoying. Okay, Roman versus Rusev, U.S. Championship. What's your pick? Roman Reigns. This is just all about getting him some credibility back after that whole entire 30-day away with his Adderall addiction or whatever the hell it was. He really fucked up that that Shield triple threat match big time. So it's just going to be him winning this match, and Rusev is here to make him look strong. Yeah, you may be it's, right, but it's, I'm, it's I'm going to pick gonna Rusev, be, though. though. It's going to be an amazing match, though. Like the Roman Reigns has not had a bad pay-per-view match. I was about to say that. He has not. Like People give him a lot of grief, but his pay-per-view matches have been great. Uh, last year's Hell in a Cell against... Uh, Bray Wyatt was like one yep. of my favorite matches in a long time. So I think he's going to deliver. He has to if he holds on. But I want to see Rusev take it back. Um, I feel like Rusev right now, though, I mean, his, the promo tonight, like he looked like a main eventer. And I would love to see that. So if Roman winning means Rusev moves up a little bit, maybe gets in Kevin Owens' face a little bit, I wouldn't mind that, but it's probably going to be Roman. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I want Rusev to win, too, obviously, but if I'm putting down money, I'm going with Roman Reigns. Indeed. All right. Hell in a Cell, number two, Universal Championship. Kevin Owens, Seth Rollins. Who do you got? There's no way Seth Rollins is winning the title. There's, no, there's just no way. The, the Triple H, Seth Rollins storyline is sitting in the back, and we're just waiting for it to come back forward, so... Um, there's no way Seth Rollins is winning this. Nah, I think he can't. He can get close and something can happen. Um, so you feel like Rollins needs to, he needs to feud with Triple H first before he can get the title back at this point? Don't yeah, Owen, oh, Owens and Jericho have more friction than Rollins and Owens does. So it, it, in logic, it's going to be Owens and Jericho coming up soon. Maybe Survivor Series when they're on the same team fighting SmackDown and the friction will keep building there. Like, there's no way Rollins is winning, though. Nah, not ready yet. It has to be at a big event. I think Royal Rumble or Mania, probably, for Seth. So I agree on that. And maybe the last match of the night. Sasha Banks, Charlotte, Hell in a Cell for the Women's Championship. Who's going over? Sasha Banks in her hometown of Boston, Massachusetts. Yeah, she's got to go over at home, I think. I've personally enjoyed Charlotte more as champ. Uh, Corey Graves said something when Charlotte came out, like, man, it still looks strange to not see Charlotte with that title. And I agree, like, just because we've seen it so much. And I think that her persona, her gimmick is just built for championship. So I do want to see Charlotte get it back. But I do want to see Sasha take it in Boston, have that place go crazy. Maybe some confetti come down. And yeah. give her a great, great, great moment. It would have made more sense for Charlotte to lose the championship to uh, Sasha Banks in her hometown in the first ever Hell in the Cell match between two women with the confetti falling. That would have been the best way to end the pay-per-view. But <laughs> since Sasha Banks sort of got injured and then was okay, and then they kind of blew that one. So, uh, yeah, Sasha Banks is going to win. But everyone loves the baby face chasing the heels of the titles. But, hey, we'll get the opposite. But still... It'll be a good match, and I think Charlotte is miles ahead of Sasha Banks on the microphone and in the ring. And I just think Sasha Banks, um, as a heel, 
is good, mm-hmm. not great, but good. As a face, I think she's the pits. Yep. Um, I heard somebody say, I think it was uh, Brian Campbell, ESPN, said, you can't be a boss and be a good guy. You just can't. No. You cannot. You... The boss has to be bad. Yep. You, you ever had a boss that was like, hey there, want to have a drink and have a good time? <laughs> hey, you guys are working so hard. I got yeah, everybody wanna... a raise. Exactly. Like, here, here's a free, here's some donuts I bought one on the way here for you. <laughs> No, you know what the boss would do? Buy you the donuts, hand them to you, then slap them out of your hand and step on them in front of you. Exactly. That's the boss. That's so the boss. So it's a countdown, I think, till Sasha turns heel, becomes the next Eddie Guerrero, and, like, kills it. And I'm really waiting for that. And then maybe we get Sasha Bailey probably at Mania or something like that. That's what I got my fingers crossed for. Absolutely. All right, well, we are going to wrap it up with that. But first, Steve, I need you to let the people know how they can find you on the internet. Of interwebs. course, of course. Well, I run thefansPodcast.com, and every single day there's a brand new wrestling podcast. Hell, we're even covering South Park, The Simpsons, the X-Men animated series. Yeah, remember that from the 90s? I'm reviewing those episodes right now. Everyone knows that theme song. You can also follow me on Twitter at the Fans Podcast, and you know I just love wrestling, and I'm glad that you had me on the show to discuss the show because listen, uh, I would have gone crazy driving home not talking about the triple, 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 <laughs> triple, triple main event Sunday, 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 triple, 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 triple. Like <sighs> I can't, oh god. But uh, thanks for having me on here. Remember, you guys, I'm always positive, but also I'm positively negative. <laughs> Right on. Thanks a lot, Steve. I appreciate you taking the time or during your drive to hang out with me. No problem. Oh, Jesus. Uh, I guess I hit a hobo and didn't notice. Oh, boy. This is going to be a problem. Oh, boy. <laughs> Awkward. No. Um, time to go. No. Okay. Lastly, I got to put you on the spot and ask you for a song choice. Now, this song choice is usually uh, the song that you would come to the ring to. Let's just imagine, because you remember those guest guest GM uh, years of Raw. So if you were guest GM of Raw, what would you come out to? That's a really good question. Uh, Well, when I was a kid, I had a backyard wrestling federation, like any wrestling fan. Yeah. And I came out to even, actually, I think I wrestled in backyards even when I was probably, I was probably too old. And I would come down to Lincoln Park's Faint. Mm. And that's, uh, uh, I think it's a great album, actually, from Lincoln Park. Uh, so I would say, yeah, definitely a fan. Like, I want you to feel. I love that All song right. so I'm much. I'm about to play it right now. We're getting into some Lincoln Park. And, man, it's, it's college all over again for me. Because that's what I listen to. Well, all right. Good stuff. Good stuff, man. Thank you for being here. Uh, we're out, as usual, people. Keep your shoulders off the mat. Thank you for listening to Matt Mania. I'll see you on the interwebs.
You're listening to the Geekscape Network.